Hi, this is Stacy, and I listen to the When Dating Hurts podcast. Here's why I listen. I found When Dating Hurts after experiencing a domestic violence incident with somebody I'd been dating for about a year. At the time, I didn't feel like I could tell my friends or my family what was happening, so I was searching for information, stories, statistics, anything that might validate what I was feeling. I listened alone in my car on the three-hour drive to and from my ex's place. Every guest provided something valuable, whether it was validation or information. Hearing the ways other people coped with their situation and what their lives looked like after helped me in more ways than one. I also have to thank Bill for his ability to turn the tragedy of losing his daughter into his steadfast persistence on the topic of domestic abuse. Knowing there was at least one person out there who might applaud my ability to get out might have saved my life. I know it's saving the lives of others too, so thank you, Bill. We can't thank you enough. The When Dating Hurts podcast is rated one of the most popular relationships podcasts in the world. Why is that? It's our guests. Whether you're listening to subject matter experts or domestic violence survivors, you know you're hearing what you need to know. And that is the truth about dating and domestic violence. Why it happens, how it happens, when it happens, where it happens, and how victims become survivors. This podcast is a powerful way for you, your friends, and your family to stay informed and stay safe. I guess, by some kind of definition, you'd call me an abuser, and they wanted me to talk about it. I know the way I sound might come across as weird to you, that's because they felt it was a good idea to alter my voice with some computer software. That's so you don't know who I am. But let me just say, you have never met me, but you probably have met someone like me. Here's why I am here. I have been abusing women for decades. I'm what they call a serial abuser, or some use the word predator. I don't care. Use whatever you like. Let me talk about what I came here to say. I will be specific. I am a man who abused women. I've done it since I was a teenager. Right now, I am like 42 years old. About these women. I'd get into their good graces, so they would like me. Then slowly, I would turn the screws on them. That's my way of saying I would take control over them. Use them. So where did I learn to do this? Let me give you some of my background. Back when I grew up, I used to be on the receiving end of abuse at home. Both emotional abuse and physical abuse. Real bad stuff. I still have scars inside and out. It came thanks to my father and mother. They abused each other. And they also abused me. They did not know it then, but they were teaching me being an abuser is better than being the one getting the abuse. A night and day difference in fact. You don't need to be real smart to understand why. Every single day of the week, they showed me all kinds of things, like how to break a person down mentally until they basically had no will left at all. they just give up and comply, like I did, or how to keep someone off balance. 
I got a constant diet of them putting me down and calling me names they knew I hated, making fun of me. Today it's called gaslighting. They didn't have those fancy names for it back then. And, of course, they hit me. Man, did they ever hit me. Could have been using a fly swatter. Could have been a belt. Could have been with an open hand or a clenched fist. My old man threw a Coke bottle and hit me in my head once. No matter what, I got the message. And I eventually did whatever they wanted me to. Probably be dead otherwise. As I said, they gave me the gift of seeing why a person can get to be an abuser. As long as you're the one who's attacking, that other person is playing defense. By the time I got to high school, I guess you could say I was a bully. It didn't matter how big the other kid was, I knew how to get my way. Those who gave me crap, learned quickly I was not one to be messed with. I might not get them when they first got me, but I'd win by the time things were settled. My bag of tricks was bottomless. I didn't play by anyone else's rules. I was the one making the rules. I know I wasn't much in the looks department, but there were always girls around who found me appealing. I guess you would say I was one of the bad boys. And there were always good girls who took to us bad boys. So, I always had a following. They made it easy for me. So, about the abuse stuff. If something works, you keep using it. If not, you try something new. You cannot get good at being an abuser on your first day. It takes time. It takes practice. Trial and error. It's said that abuse falls into two categories. They are rewards and punishments. Those are part of a bigger overall umbrella, which they call manipulation. An abuser, like me, manipulates whoever is my target on that day. I manipulate them so I get what I want, whenever I want it, the way I want it. Manipulation takes longer than I want to achieve its effect, but it can work for years. It's like the woman is under your spell. Let me step back and say why being an abuser is appealing. And it is. Whether you're an abuser or not, we all want what we want things the way we want them. And when we want it, think about it. In that way, you are not so different from me. Don't you like getting your way? Don't lie. You know you do. The biggest difference between you and me is, I will do anything to get my way. That could be giving some girl positive strokes and compliments, or it could be punishing her somehow, mentally or physically. Doesn't really matter to me. You do what you have to do, right? The problem with punishing one of my girls is it sometimes leaves a mark. I learned long ago that leaving a mark could turn out to be used later as evidence, so that's to be avoided. Anyway, if you are a listener or paying attention, to the When Dating Hurts podcast. You probably hear all the time about power and control this and power and control that. Well, that's what I'm all about. Power and control. I want the power and control over everything and everybody. And, believe me, it doesn't get any better than when you are the one who's calling the shots. I mean, do you really want to be doing something someone else wants you to do? So, you could say, I am relentless in making sure I get my way. Okay, a different thing. Let me explain who one of my targets is. A target is anyone I find appealing. In this case, 
It means a girl or woman who has something I want. And believe me, if I want something, I will get it. So, what do I want? Could be the way she looks. Could be something about her and her life I want. Could be something she owns. Whatever it is, if I set out to get it, I will succeed. The key thing about targets is targets need to be a mixture of innocence, a naive personality, and be moldable. The nice girls are what I'm after. Come from nice homes. The nice girls grow up trusting people like me. They aren't ready for someone like me. They don't know how to see through people like me. They're not skeptical enough, I guess. They haven't been around enough. I need to be able to mold that girl into someone I can later use. I don't want someone who is strong-willed or someone who makes it too much work on my part. I don't want some woman who tries to out-talk me or who makes a big fuss. You see, these innocent, naive girls or women typically are weak at exerting their wills. Let me talk about some techniques. To make a connection with someone I want to control, I have to show my better side. I want to give the impression I'm the kind of boyfriend they have been looking for. That might be the way I look, but it has more to do with the way I act. And I can act about as confident as you have ever seen a person act confident. What they find appealing about me is I am strong-willed. They want that in a man. I take charge. It gives that naive woman a sense of security being around me. They know they can let me handle things, which I do, and I handle everything. They see it working in their favor. There is something out there you hear about today called love bombing. I made myself a love bombing expert. In case you don't know about love bombing, it's saying and doing all the things I know my target wants to hear and experience. It's sweeping them off their feet so they think I'm just the greatest thing. They've probably never had a boyfriend like me. So, I just say the nicest things and sometimes shower them with nice stuff. To me, it's like investment spending that will pay off later on. Usually, especially in high school, when girls get something material from a guy or their boyfriend, it's kind of cheap. That's not the way I work it. I figure out something they'd really like, then go and get it for them. Afterwards, if they aren't doing what I want them to do, I take whatever it was away from them. Like I said before, it's about the rewards and punishments. Are you catching on? Love bombing typically happens in the beginning of getting together. Later on, when I have them under control, I dial back things I get them, or it becomes more occasional, or never at all. One of the biggest mistakes abusers make is bringing the love bombing on way too fast. What I mean is, like telling them you love them the first week or two. I know the girls want to hear something like that. But if it's done too early, it raises suspicion. One of the reasons I speed up these relationships is I want things moving along since it helps me get my way. Plus, when things are speeded up, the girl or the target doesn't have time to think about them. They just come along. If they push back because they think things are happening too fast, I just say something like, well, maybe we're not right for each other. That usually gets them back in line. They panic as if I'm telling them it's over. Typically, when they hear something like it's over, they immediately fall back under my control. Let me not forget to talk about isolation. I almost forgot. That's also a very important thing. 
Let's say I like a girl and she likes me. I don't want anybody else around messing things up or trying to share her time with them. The people who mess things up could be her friends, male or even female. And if they don't like me, they need to be pushed out of the picture right away. It's tricky, but I am good at doing this. I will tell the girl that I don't like this person or that one. And I don't really like to be around them. Eventually, if she can't be around them much, they go away. And that's what I want. I want her full undivided attention. The isolation thing also applies to her family members. If her parents don't like me, then I do my best to pull the girl away from them. This also applies to brothers or sisters. Less is more. A large part of being in control over a woman is keeping other people away from her. Isolation has to be done little by little. Abuse takes time. And it takes patience on my part, but I always get it done. Trust me. What am I messing? I guess it's the violence part. Oh yeah, so, if the girl is going along with what I want, then the relationship can stay kind of nice. Not a lot of yelling or disruption and stuff. But, if she's not getting the message that when I want something I need to have it right then, I might be a little bit more threatening, so to speak. That's when I'll be raising my voice, or slamming down my fist hard, or walking out on her abruptly. Just kind of making a scene. I watch to see if this threatening behavior is doing the trick. If it does, I let it go at that. If the threats don't work, then I might go back into the toolbox my parents gave me when I was a kid. Usually, a push or a little punch in the arm will take care of things, especially in the beginning. If she goes along with my program, that's about all it takes. If not, and we have been in a relationship for a while, that punch in the arm might get a little harder. Or maybe it's a quick slap across the face. You get the idea, right? If I feel it's necessary, I might make up an apology. Or, I might blame what happened on something else going on in my life. Or I might bring up the way I was raised. Those little excuses usually take care of it. And, sometimes, just the fact that I am acting nicer to her is enough to get things back to some kind of peace. When I say, it's all about me, it is truly all about me. Look, I only want that other person around because I need some kind of relationship. And, since I am into domination, I need someone to dominate. You cannot be an abuser without someone to abuse, right? Is any of this making sense? Let me see. So, let's say I give out some kind of a punishment. But if I see the girl is complying with what I want, maybe we go back to that fairy tale romance crap she thought she experienced with me back in the early days. I might pick her up something or send some flowers. To smooth things over, I might buy something expensive. Anyway. When I was in my late teens and 20s and was in a relationship with some girl, I was not wanting her to get too successful in what she did to make money. See, successful people tend to grow independent, and that doesn't work for me. I want them to go out and make money, yes, and get things done, and support the relationship, but only up to a point. That person might own a car, but I keep tabs on where it goes and when she can use it. That also applies to what she wears, when she goes out into the world, like if she's wearing too much makeup or not. Once I get someone under my control, I need to be certain they don't wind up with someone else. That is the biggest no-no. Very big no-no. Ain't happening. I don't want this person, my girlfriend or whoever she is, having relationships with any other guys. Period. Even at work. I don't want her talking with any guys unless it is absolutely necessary. 
like if a guy's her manager or something like that. I don't want any competition. Other people get in the way and confuse things. They give ideas that don't need to be given. So, it's better to go zero tolerance on other guys. I make that clear. That's rule. Oh, let me talk about the money part. When I was in my 20s, I had a relationship with this one girl, and she had a decent apartment. Not a great apartment, but better than where I was staying. After a while, I would go over and bring some of my stuff along, which I conveniently would leave there. I'd do this over and over. Before you know it, I had a lot of stuff in there. That was all part of the plan. I wanted to move in with her. I would say things to her like we could be splitting the rent. But I had no intention of doing that. Or I'd say, we could split the cost of food. But I would always fake that I didn't have enough money when it came to covering it. So I was getting things without having to pay for them. I would make all these promises, which I had little intention of keeping. Again, it's all about telling people what they want to hear. Like some pushy salesman. This one girl who had this nice apartment was super responsible. I knew she would not let the rent go by without paying it. That was a perfect setup. Another thing about money, I would find ways to take over how we spent money. You're maybe thinking it wasn't fair I should do that. But did I say anything about this being fair? I'd insist we open a bank account in both our names, kind of like a preview of us being married or something. That gave me access to the money she made. Once in a while, I would add some money in there, kind of hit or miss. I was always in and out of having jobs. Not great jobs, but jobs, you know? I was good with my hands, just didn't like working for someone telling me what to do. Anyway, when I wasn't working, I'd hang out at the apartment, watch TV or play video games, maybe smoke some weed. I would give the girl I was living with a story I was interviewing for different jobs, and I was on their short list of names under consideration. She would mostly buy what I told her. We'd have these arguments that I wasn't pulling my weight. Well, no kidding. Sex took place whenever I wanted it to. That could be in the afternoon, or it could be three in the morning. She knew it would be better in that apartment if she went along with it. I preferred when she acted like she was into it. But after a while, it didn't make that much difference to me. Some call it sexual assault, but unless the law gets involved, I don't care what you call it. Of course, there's always the thought in the back of her mind with the sex that she could have an accident and she might get pregnant. But I looked at it like it'd be her fault for goofing up her birth control. And besides, if she got pregnant, no matter what happened, I knew we'd always be connected for life because of the kid. Most women I had relationships with would tell me I was always lying to them. But nowadays, what is the truth or a lie anyway? I mean, sometimes what you say is your opinion, right? So... What if it doesn't match up with what the woman thought? Then it's her opinion versus mine. I just get a little noisy and before you knew it, they just go and change the subject. Sometimes if the woman threatened she wanted to end the relationship or leave me, I'd say something like, Oh, so like you think you could do better than me? Really? Or I'd say, You might think you're some kind of a goddess sent from heaven, but believe me, you're lucky you even have me around. Usually, things blow over and we have a few days of not speaking to each other. Then things would get back to normal. I've had some pack up all their stuff and head out while I was away from the apartment, but they came back most of the time. They would come to their senses and see where their real home was with me. Now, I think I'm a pretty reasonable person, but I don't like it when someone tries to be the boss over me. That doesn't fly. So, thinking you're getting out of this relationship whenever you'd like, that whole idea really angers me. 
the relationship isn't over until I want it to be over. So, like any guy who calls himself a man, I get pretty angry. That's when the fur flies. I don't think anyone could blame me under those circumstances. I mean, all of a sudden, this woman thinks she's going to make the big decision that this is it. No, I don't think so. Not going to go down that way. So, to make things right, she needs to understand she's staying right here with me. We can work it out like we did before. But if she persists, she is probably going to pay for it. I had a girl I lived with years back. She was in her 20s. She snuck out on me one day, took her stuff. Must have gotten friends to help move her while I was working or somewhere. I came back to the apartment. I opened the door. And just about everything is gone. Only my stuff is there in a big pile. Took me days to figure out where she went. Once I got myself settled in with one of my buddies, I'd follow her around some. I knew where she worked and when she started at her job, so I'd just follow her. I didn't care if she knew I was doing it. She needed to understand I was still around and interested in her. This other girl got a restraining order against me. I was supposed to stay like 500 feet away from her. I guess she thought that order would do the job. Pretty funny, as if a piece of paper was this magical shield or something. Getting surfed, that order really pissed me off. Who did she think she was? Going to a judge and wrecking my reputation and telling a bunch of crap about me anyway. She was lucky I didn't do more than follow her. Okay, anyway, I need to stop this conversation. Someone wanted me to give my version of what happens, and now you have it. I've got better things to do than sit here and talk to whoever you are. Oh, okay. One more thing. Most women think domestic violence only happens in the bad parts of town. What they like to call the economically depressed parts where people don't have much money or nice things. As if the suburbs are some safe haven in a bubble. Well, they're not any safer than anywhere else. That is old thinking. Domestic violence is all over the place. It's not about people having money and nice houses and cars. I already told you it's about power and control. Do you honestly think people in your neighborhood don't want power and control? Emotionally and physically abused women live everywhere. Could be living on your street right now. Maybe it's happening to your next door neighbor. I mean, do you actually think your neighbor's going to tell you how her husband pulls all kinds of emotional tricks on her? Or that she'll ever tell you how her husband of 30 years sometimes squeezes her wrists until they're swollen and bruised? Hey, how about your high school daughter? How's she doing? Do you think she knows the difference between a good and healthy relationship and an unhealthy abusive relationship? Think again, mom. A lot of high school and college girls are dating guys controlling them right this minute. Those are the same kinds of nice, naive girls I used to date and take control over when I was younger. And they're meeting up with the same kind of guys I was back then. Guys who want their way all the time. The control freaks, right? If you listen to this When Dating Hurts podcast they asked me to speak on, you will hear about guys like me. The same deal as me. Only difference. They're wearing different faces. I see my younger self in them. Like I said, I gotta go. I've said enough. I did what I was asked, so now I need to get out of here. Have a nice life. Like I said earlier, they took my real voice and altered it. But what I said cannot be altered. Not sure why I told you all of this. Maybe I'm changing as I get older, but I doubt it. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means 
more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. That's Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com.